It's Daily Thunder, the truth of Jesus Christ dished out live every morning from the Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado with a bit of manly grit and gusto. Find out more at live.ellerslie.com. Now, here's Nathan Johnson. Have you ever Bible, 2 Samuel chapter 5? I uh, just want to give you a quick thought <clears throat> as we're kind of concluding this idea on spiritual warfare. We've been looking or using Ephesians, obviously, as kind of a, a lens as through part of this weekend. It's interesting that in the Ephesians passage, uh, chapter 6, verse 10, so, so go to 2 Samuel. But in Ephesians 6, <clears throat> Paul starts the section on spiritual warfare, and he says, Finally, my brothers, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And some of you have heard me say this, but it's interesting that the idea of be strong, that you're called to be strong, uh, it's a command. Therefore, you are commanded oh, to be strong. That's encouraging for some of us, because most of us are not doing anything about that. But you are commanded to be strong. But the emphasis in the passage is completely different than how we tend to think it. In other words, I hear... Paul look at me in the eyes and saying, Nathan, be strong. I go, okay. So I've been working out with Aaron Vogel. Not, it's not helping very much, obviously. And, you know, I mean, I'm, hey, I'm going to be strong. Eric Ludy. You know, I mean, I'm going to see what I can do to be strong. <clears throat> That's not what that word means. Uh, and, again, some of you have heard this, but uh, the word here, be strong, it is a command. Uh, it's in the present tense. Uh, and in the Greek, when you see a present tense, it means it's in the continuous present tense. Right? In other words, when, when am I called to be strong? Whenever it is present tense. So are you called to be strong right now? Yes. What about right now? Yeah. What about tomorrow? It's not here yet, so don't worry about it. But when tomorrow gets here, it'll be present tense, and guess what? You are called to be strong. But that word, so it's a command, it's, it's, it's in the present tense, but it's in the passive voice, which is so intriguing in the passage because you realize active voice means I'm the one producing the action. And, of course, the old classic grammar illustration is the boy hits the ball, right? The boy, the subject, is doing the action of hitting the ball. That's active voice. That's not this. This is passive voice, meaning what? The subject is receiving the action. So the boy gets hit by the ball, ah! right? So you are commanded to be strong. Well, when am I commanded to be strong? Anytime it's present tense. So right now. Oh, so I'm, I'm to like grip my teeth and just oh, pull, pull off strength. No. Because <laughs> you're not that strong. <laughs> Caleb, maybe. But I mean, everybody else, you know. No, how, how, how are you to be strong? You're actually to receive strength. That's the emphasis. That is not go out and grit your teeth and pull off strength. This is, hey, would you literally receive his strength? So how are you going to deal with the spiritual battle in your life? How are you going to deal with the spiritual battle of our culture? How are you going to deal with the spiritual battle that is swirling around us? This is not you in your own intellect. This is not you in your own strength. This is not you in your own willpower. This is not you in your own talent going off and producing something in your own ability. That will fail you. And that's not Christianity. What is Christianity? Oh, would you let the God of the universe come in and do something in and through you 
that you cannot pull off on your own. And you are commanded to be strong, but how are you commanded to be strong? To receive his strength. And I'm willing to put on his clothing, which means I am to literally sink down into and let that clothing wrap itself around me, and I am clothed with Christ who becomes my armor. So as you're living, if you are living in the present tense, which I'm hoping most of you do, then you are commanded to be strong. And how are you, to com- how are you commanded to be strong? You are commanded to literally have his strength. So you realize if you have his strength, you can walk into a battle and not be defeated. Which is why Paul says, you are more than a conqueror. Not just a conqueror, more than a conqueror. Alexander the Great was a conqueror. Napoleon was a conqueror. You are more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. So you realize as you're heading back home, as you're beginning to transition, you don't have to go with fear. You don't have to go with anxiety. You don't have to go saying, well, you know, how are we going to pull this thing off? Because this is not about you. This is, hey, would you allow the king of the universe to do something in and through you? Would you march into battle with the smile upon your face? And one of the best pictures of that I've ever seen in Scripture is in 2 Samuel chapter 5. Love this passage. I've been, <clears throat> I studied it about, I don't know, seven, eight years ago. And God is just radically just, I mean, I think about this passage probably once a week. I love this passage. And we're not, we don't have time to go through it all the, all the way, but let me just kind of give you a quick thought. Uh, in the beginning of chapter 5 of 2 Samuel, David is anointed king over all of Israel. Here is the true and rightful king finally sitting upon the throne that he rightly deserves. And isn't it interesting that the moment that the true and rightful king sits upon the throne, something takes place. And it's that all the enemies rise up against it. And you probably noticed that in your life. Right? Because what is happening here in the external or in the physical of the Old Testament is a demonstration of the internal realities of our life. In other words, what was being played on the stage of time and history in the Old Testament is a shadow, it's a picture of the internal reality that we're experiencing. In the Old Covenant, you know, they were fighting physical battles. Paul says we don't fight the physical battles anymore, we're fighting spiritual battles, which is a bigger battle, (laughs) if you realize. Right? We're not just dealing with the physical stuff, we're dealing with the spiritual powers behind the physical. And you, and you recognize that, that here is David, the true and rightful king. He comes and sits upon the throne. And the moment that he sits upon the throne, all the Philistines rise up against David. And again, you've probably noticed that in your life, where the moment you make Jesus the focal point, the moment that Jesus becomes center, the moment that Jesus is everything, it's like there's a something that rises up and you begin to experience the enemy saying, we will not stand for that. Haven't you experienced that? Now, it's interesting in verse 17, it says that when the Philistines heard that they had anointed David king over all of Israel, all the Philistines went up to search for David. And by the way, that word all in Hebrew, guess what that means? It means all. That's a lot of Philistines. And they all come to David. And it says, but David heard about this and went down to the stronghold. Now, the Philistines, verse 18, had come and were spread out in the valley of the Rephaim. Now, now, the Valley of the Rephaim, very interesting. This really was the Valley of the Giants. Uh, the Rephaim, if you follow this back through, uh, were this great, mighty, strong, muscular, nasty, horrible, demonic people. Okay? They were the giants. Now, think about this. Presumably, at this point, it's just a ruined city. In other words, there's not giants. 
in the Valley of the Rephaim. But we know there are giants around. You know, we have Goliath and his brothers and that kind of stuff. So we know there's giants still around. But they, they aren't inhabiting the city, presumably, is what the concept is. But you just never know. Maybe someone was on vacation, and they decided to come back. And so here is the Philistines, and the giants fought with the Philistines. So these are the friends of the Philistines. And so the, the Philistines show up in the Valley of the Rephaim, the Valley of the Giants. Why would they go there? You realize it's intimidation? They're, they're calling out to David, saying, David, if you're going to fight us, come fight us on our turf. Fight us in a place where you'll be intimidated. It's the Valley of Giants. Hey, it's, it's the Valley of Intimidation. It's the Valley of Anxiety. It's the Valley of Fear. Now, do the Philistines have anything on David? No. Why? Because David has God. This is merely an intimidation factor. I've given the illustration before of, have you ever seen that movie when you're a little kid called Little Giants? It's a little football film made in the early 90s. It's like what I grew up on when I was a kid. Don't watch it. But <laughs> and in the movie, uh, here, here's this the little league football team of the town, and they're, of course they got all the big strong guys like Caleb, they're on their, their team. And then these little nerdy kids like Nathan decide to play, hey, we want to play football, and so they go out for the football team, and of course the football team is like, we're not, <laughs> we're not having you on the team. We don't even want you on the bench. We'll do better if you just don't come. Don't even watch the game. Like, you know, it's that concept. And so here's all these nerdy kids, they get together and they say, all right, uh, we're going to create our own football team. And, of course, the coach over here comes to the coach over here and says, hey, the town can only have one football team. And this coach looks at this coach and says, fine, let's have a playoff. And whoever wins that game will have the Little League team of the town. These guys have nothing. They can barely hold a ball, let alone play. And so at the very end of the movie, here they are on the field, Big, strong kids, not so much. <laughs> and they realize that the only way that this team is going to win is they have to use intimidation. They have to use tricks. So they paint their faces. And my favorite scene of the whole, the whole movie, these kids, they're, they're in a huddle, and they're looking at each other, and they're like, all right, we've got to win this next play. We just have to do it. And one of the kids starts passing out Alka-Seltzers to everybody <laughs> in the thing. And they go, all right, and break. And they pop the Alcacessor. And they're standing on the line. And as they're looking at them, they start to growl at the big guys. And they're foaming at the mouth. <laughs> <laughs> and they win the play. <laughs> and you can say, what is the only hope? What's the only chance that this team has to win? It actually has no hope to win. The best they can pull off is intimidation. That's what the Philistines are using with the Valley of the Rephaim. You realize they're recognizing that, hey, God has always been on the side of David. God has always done valiant things with the life of David. David rarely ever loses. So, hey, if, we're, if we have a chance against the big guy, David, and his God, hey, we're going to have to use intimidation. We're going to fight in the Valley of the Rephaim. Now, it says in verse 19 that the moment that David hears all this, he asks the Lord, shall I go up against the Philistines, and will you give them into my hand? Isn't it fascinating that David doesn't presume upon his God? That he waits in humility and says, God, what do you want to do? He's living in trust, obedience, surrender, dependency. That sounds like a Christian life. And God looks at David and he says this. Listen to this. Go up. 
because I will doubtlessly deliver them into your hand. Here's David. God, what do you want to do? And God says, I will doubtlessly deliver them into your hand. That word there, doubtlessly deliver, I think it may be one of my favorite Hebrew words. That word, doubtlessly deliver, is the verb form of the word Nathan. <laughs> that is a good word. I mean, in fact, let's vote. Who thinks that that is the best word? Keep your hands down. See, it's unanimous. I mean, that is, that is a good word. I mean, that is phenomenal. By the way, that word in Hebrew has a couple connotations. There's actually three little connotations. I'll give them to you real quick. One of them has this idea of a fruit tree. In other words, hey, David, I will doubtlessly deliver them into your hands. David, look at this fruit tree. You know that if it's a healthy fruit tree in the right season, it will, without a doubt, produce fruit. And just as you know that a healthy fruit tree will always produce fruit in season, you know, without a doubt, I will deliver them into your hands. That's strong. Uh, one of the other connotations is, is like this idea of promise. So here's God gives Abraham a promise saying, Abraham, I'm going to make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, as numerous as the sand on the seashore. David, hey, remember that promise I gave Abraham? Look around you. I have fulfilled that promise. And you can physically see that with your eyes. That I, I have done the promise. And just as you know without a doubt, I have fulfilled that promise, so too I have given you a promise, I will deliver them into your hands. And the other connotation maybe is my favorite, it's this idea of the sun coming up in the morning. In other words, hey, David, just as you know that if you go out at night and you look up in the sky and there's no clouds, you know without a doubt there's going to be stars in the sky. Hey, David, you know that without a doubt the sun is coming up tomorrow. And my guess is you all woke up this morning, not one of you had a thought, ooh, I wonder if the sun's going to wake up. <laughs> I wonder if the sun's going to be there today. See, we don't ever have that thought. Why? Because it is always there. Hey, tomorrow, tomorrow, bet your bottom dollar that tomorrow there will be sun. <laughs> I'm not going to sing it, but hey, it's, <laughs> hey, that is true. Why? Because it is always going to take place. And it's like God looking at David saying, just as you know, that without a doubt, the sun is coming up in the morning, so without a doubt, I promise you, I promise you, I promise you, I will deliver them into your hands. Do you know what confidence you can march in a battle if you had that? Do you realize God has given you that? We are in a spiritual battle. That is very true. And do you recognize that God has said, you win in me? That as long as you remain in me, without a doubt, you win. Hey, that temptation that you're always facing, do you realize that in me, without a doubt, I can, I can prevail? Hey, you know that struggle that your family's been wrestling through? Hey, I promise, without a doubt, I can come through. Why? Do you think your problems are too big for God? Do, do you think your circumstances are like, ooh, too much? And God's sitting there going, oh, no. Oh, that's not good. Well, sorry. I mean, God doesn't function that way. Do you think God's intim intimidated by our problems? Do you think God's intimidated by our giants? Do you think God's intimidated by our circumstances? Do you think God's intimidated by our finances or lack thereof? No. God's not intimidated by that stuff. In fact, God loves impossibilities. 
How many times in scripture does he purposely stack the deck against himself so that he receives all the glory? So do you think he's looking at your problems and your circumstance and your situation and your culture and your hometown and your church and, and your government and your world sitting there going, oh, I don't know what we're going to do. Oh, pray, because I don't know what I'm going to do either. I mean, I mean, do you think God's functioning like that? Of course not. And do you realize that in Jesus, you are more than a conqueror. Not, well, we can win some battles, we might lose some battles. No, no, no. We are triumphant in Jesus Christ because he's already won the victory, folks. Now, if you were David and God says, I will doubtlessly deliver them into your hands, how would you march into battle? You would not march in there with fear. You would not march into battle going, I wonder if we're going to win this one. You're not going to march into battle saying, God, are you there somewhere? Please help me. Because God has promised. Wouldn't you march in there with a smile on your face saying, oh, just watch out. In fact, I've said this for years. If I was David personally, I would look at my troops and say, sit this one out. I'm going alone. <laughs> Why? God promised. And Jonathan, my best friend, hey, he, he showed that God could win with many or with few. And so if God promised, I don't, just watch me. See, see what God's going to do through my life. Do you realize that as Christians, the world is watching? And God can win with many or with few, but God has promised. And just in conclusion, it says that, verse 20, David came to Belperazim, and David defeated the Philistines there. And he said, the Lord has breached through my enemies like the bursting of tides. Therefore, he named the place Belperazim. Get this. The place that was known as the Valley of Giants. The place known for intimidation and fear. The place that was known as the place that where everyone quakes when they hear the name was renamed. It no longer was a valley of giants. No longer is it a place of control of the enemy. No longer is it a place of fear and anxiety. Do you know what the word Belperazim means? It literally means the master of breakthroughs. And David says, just as a breakthrough of, of water. So you have this dam, and, and, and there's all this pressure, right, on the dam. And, of course, in the cartoons, you know, like there's this little, you know, like a little crack in it, so it's starting to spit out water. And so the cartoon puts his finger in it, and there's another one over here. So you go, and then it's, right? <clears throat> and then as the thing goes, it starts to, and then, and there's a breakthrough. That's this word. Uh, this word is often used in childbearing. And I've never been there, so, and I've never experienced that. Uh, but they say that there's a point where a woman, as much as she even wants to hold the child in, she's not holding it in. It is breaking through. It is coming. <laughs> Ready or not, right? That's this word, that there's this, kind of, there's this breakthrough. And David looks at what God did in this place and said, God, there was such a breakthrough that no longer can this place be known as a valley of giants. This place has to be known as a place where God is the master of breaking through. He's not just a God who breaks through. He's a God who is the master of breaking through. Hey, if I lock my keys in the car, I call a locksmith. If I need to get into a safe, legally. If I need to get into a safe, I don't call a locksmith. I call a master locksmith. What's the difference? A master locksmith can get into anything, supposedly. Scary thought. <laughs> right? But he's a master at it. 
Do you realize that God is not merely a God of breakthroughs? He is the master of breakthroughs. Which means any circumstance, in any situation, at any moment, God can handle it. He's not intimidated. He's the master of breakthroughs. But the question is, hey, would we stand in faith? Hey, would we believe his word? Hey, would we recognize that, hey, we're not just to go and presume upon God and say, yeah, yeah, well, let's just do it this way. That we need to come and say, God, what do you want to do? How do you want to move in this situation? Hey, how do you want to use me in this moment? Hey, would we trust him? And as we, as we transition, as we go back home this next week, you realize the fact that you're more aware of the spiritual battle probably means you're going to get hit. Congratulations. You get to put this into practice. But don't be intimidated. Don't live in fear. Because your God has already secured the victory. So walk with confidence. Walk with boldness. You don't know why Eric is so happy all the time? He knows who wins. So why don't you smile? Like now would be a great time to do that. <laughs> Some of you are like... Hey, would you put your full weight upon your full God? He's one. He's the master of breakthroughs. So would you sink down into him? Would you let him clothe you with himself? Hey, would you put on his strength? Would you march into your world, into your community, into your circumstance, into your family, not with your wisdom, but with his? Hey, not with your strength, but with his? Not with your ability, but with his? And yes, he can use your wisdom. Yes, he can use your talent. Yes, he can use your ability. Fine, whatever. But he can make rocks sing. He doesn't need you. But he wants to use you. So this is not about you and what you can do for God. This is, hey, what does he want to do in and through you? You're in a spiritual battle. But you are more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. That is good news. I want to leave you with this. <clears throat> I've been studying a lot in terms of <clears throat> God's purpose and plan and that kind of thing. And I stumbled across this verse, and I think it's one of the best verses to summarize the entirety of Scripture. I just want to give this to you as you're transitioning. I want, I want, this, I want this to be about you. I want this verse to be a declaration for your life. I, I want this to be a summary statement of if you could go out for one thing, let, let, let it be this. It's in Romans eleven thirty six. Listen to this. For from him and through him and to him are all things. It's a great statement, isn't it? How do you summarize Christianity? Oh, it's from him, through him, and to him. How are you going to summarize scripture? It's from him, through him, to him. This is all about him, folks. You're to live for one purpose, him. For his glory, his renown, his purpose. Because it is from him, through him, to him. Daily Thunder is a production of Ellerslie Discipleship Training and the Bravehearted Media Group. At Ellerslie, we are laboring to rouse the Church of Jesus Christ out of its lethargy and see it once again gain the stride of the Spirit emboldened and brave. The Daily Thunder video stream can be watched live daily at 8.15 a.m. Mountain Time, Monday through Saturday, and 7.15 a.m. on Sunday mornings. Join us at live.ellersley.com. 
please consider booking a stopover at the lovely Ellerslie campus at the foot of the majestic Rocky Mountains for one day, one week, one semester, or for an entire season. We hope to see you someday soon, live and in person. Thanks for listening.